0: Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bib, and a special welcome to the guests and visitors joining us this evening for this celebration of the Epiphany of our Lord. We've changed seasons now, and the color still remains white, uh, but we move now to the season of Epiphany, that word of course meaning revealing or manifestation where Christ is revealed as the savior to all, both Jew and Gentile alike. Uh, I'll direct your attention to your bulletin to the back cover there. We do have a focused on Christ section this evening for this service, so we'll turn our attention to that. The Feast of the Epiphany centers in the visit of the Magi from the East. In that respect, it is a 13th day of Christmas, and yet it also marks the beginning of a new liturgical season. While Christmas has focused on the incarnation of our Lord, that is, on God becoming flesh... The season of Epiphany emphasizes the manifestation or self-revelation of God in that same flesh of Christ. For the Lord himself has entered our darkness and rises upon us with the brightness of his true light. He does so chiefly by his word of the gospel, which he causes to be preached within his church on earth, not only to the Jews, but also to Gentiles. As the Magi were guided by the promises of Holy Scripture to find and worship the Christ child with his mother in the house, So does he call disciples from all nations by the preaching of his word to find and worship him within his church. With gold they confess his royalty, with incense his deity, and with myrrh his priestly sacrifice. Our service this evening is the service of Vespers as it begins on page 229. We now sing our first hymn. The Old Testament reading for the Epiphany of our Lord is from Isaiah chapter 60. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult, because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah. All those of Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall bring good news, the praises of the Lord. O Lord, have mercy on us. The epistle is from Ephesians, chapter 3. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. O oh Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Please stand for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear Saints in Christ, a blessed epiphany to you all. On this day, we move away from our 12-day celebration of the incarnation and birth of our Lord and Savior to the celebration of His revealing to the world. Anthems be to the addressed, God in flesh made manifest as the hymn confesses. Of course, the focus of our celebration of worship is still Jesus, as it always is and should be. However, it's probably helpful to get another reminder that that word epiphany, it means appearance or manifestation. It's during this season that we celebrate the fact that the Son of God, Jesus Christ, has come to save us Gentiles from the darkness of sin and death. Jesus has come not just for the Jews, but for all. As we heard from the prophet Isaiah, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Now, the contrasting themes of light and darkness are prominent throughout this season, as are the themes of wisdom and foolishness. It's those last two that really come into focus this evening. On this day of epiphany, when we mark the visit of the Gentile wise men to what would have likely been the toddler Jesus at that time, it seems only natural that we speak of wisdom. Now, why exactly do we call these Magi wise, right? They're, all, they're known as the wise men as well. Well, using history to guide us, there's no doubt that the Magi would have at that time been some of the best and brightest in the world. They likely came from Babylon, and the Magi, they were very well educated in astronomy and astrology, which would have kind of been one and the same thing at that time. Also, literature, foreign languages, foreign cultures, they probably were multilingual. And yet, despite all the worldly knowledge and expertise, this is not why the scriptures ultimately call these men wise. Christians across the centuries have seen again and again that some of the smartest people in the world are, well, foolish when it comes to matters of faith and salvation. And that's really the difference here, isn't it? Faith in the Christ child, in the Christ, our Savior. We already know that the Magi are called wise because they recognized how the rising star, or they recognized the rising star they were witnessing, coincided with those prophecies from of old, those Israelite prophecies regarding the birth of the king of the Jews. They recognized, and in the wisdom of faith, they sought out the promised Christ so that they could worship him. Now, in your mind's eye, just try to imagine this sight, right? Here are these learned and dignified men from Babylon, from the royal court, riding into the Jewish capital on fine riding camels with a stately entourage of servants and assistants. And why have they come? To worship the king of the Jews. Oh, and by the way, they were not talking about King Herod the Great. Such an event would have been all the talk in Jerusalem at the time. In fact, we're told that the people were greatly troubled Herod was as well. They should have rejoiced, but instead they were troubled at this. It's true that Jerusalem had many foreign visitors. Some of these were prominent men and dignitaries and such, but a visit from Babylonian magi would have been truly exceptional. Much planning, much expense would have been involved for a trip like this. The wisdom of faith moved these Gentile believers to seek out their God and king at the rising of his natal star. Now, having heard about the wise men, Contrast their wisdom with the utter foolishness of wicked King Herod and those who followed him. Herod had no idea what these wise men were talking about. He didn't even know where the Christ was supposed to be born. Nevertheless, it is clearly and plainly written in the Old Testament. The location of the Messiah's birth was no secret. And so Herod's quote-unquote wise men, his scribes, they simply quote from the prophet Micah when asked where the king would be born. There was no complicated math involved. They simply recited from the prophet Micah as it is written, the child will be born in Bethlehem of Judea. And from here, we know that the Magi left Herod for Bethlehem, joyfully following the heavenly star which led them right into the presence of the little Lord Jesus. When they came to him, they fell down and worshipped him and presented their gifts of gold, frankincense, which we can smell in the air this evening, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream to avoid Herod, they went home by a different way. And here ends the account of St. Matthew. And that's honestly usually as far as the conversation and contemplation goes. Now, it's true that one doesn't have to look far for self-proclaimed experts who want to add to or take away from the account of God's word when the story is told. Some speak of comets or supernovas as an excuse for the star, as if God was incapable of simply making the star appear, which, by the way, that's where your pastor stands on this. Others, they provide names for the unnamed magi. Now, such speculation can take us a lot of different places it can even border on foolishness especially if it takes your focus off of the Christ child because that's what this is all about however none of what i mean or none of none of that is what i mean when i lament the fact that the conversation doesn't move beyond the basic sunday school rendition of saint matthew's account the question i want you to ponder this evening is this why truly were the wise men wise Dear saints, just consider what God's word plainly tells us. These wise men, upon seeing the natal star in its rising and then connecting this heavenly phenomenon to the ancient Hebrew prophecies found in God's word, they set out to locate the newborn king. There's obviously a whole lot of wisdom here and there's obviously faith, which would have been worked by the spirit through the word. They had heard God's word by the power of the spirit, believed it to be true, However, where do these wise men, when they're equipped with all this wisdom, where do they set out to? Do they go straight to Bethlehem? No. They go to King Herod's palace in Jerusalem. After all, where else would you find a king, right? You've got to go to the palace to find a king. That's the common thinking. That's really common sense. Kings live in royal palaces surrounded by royalty and nobility. They eat royal food. They wear royal clothes. They live in a royal life, right? They do royal things. Honestly, we would have done very much the same thing as these men. Now, based on this, we could rightly say that these wise men, they're wise with common sense, which admittedly is a rare and precious gift, especially nowadays in our foolishly woke culture. It's been a good long while since common sense was indeed common, but I digress. Let's focus in on this a moment, because we really need to think through this and wrestle with it. All their wisdom, that is the wise men's wisdom, Even the wisdom of faith, because remember, they did believe the word of God, ultimately led them to the wrong place. Jesus was not in Jerusalem. That's the reality. In fact, if you simply read the text, we're we're never told that these wise men followed the star itself into Jerusalem. What we're told is that they saw the star at its rising, and they set out on their own to find the newborn king, their own reason and strength. That's what led them to Jerusalem. Jerusalem to the place where Christ was not. It's only after they leave Herod and are sent to tiny Bethlehem, the word of God giving directions, by the way, hat tip to Micah, that the star appears again, this time leading them directly into the presence of the Christ child. Folks, it was God who led them to his son, the Christ child. And thanks be to God that they were wise enough to follow I mean, seriously, who would look for a king in a place like this that's so lowly? We wouldn't do this. What kind of God-king lives in such lowly estate and in such humble conditions? And yet, here he was. It really mirrors his birth. You would have expected him to be born in a palace, attended to by the best physicians. Not at all. A stable. And so this is where true wisdom of faith is recognized. The wise men come into Christ's lowly presence in his lowly place, and they fall down and worship him. They humble themselves and they rejoice. They don't second guess. They don't rerun the calculations. They don't ask Google Maps for directions. Who would blame them if they did? But like I said, what kind of a king, a divine king if that resides in lowly Bethlehem? Well, it was the king of kings and lord of lords. You see, there's no royal court, no pomp, no circumstance. There is no fanfare Still they come into the lowly yet divine presence of Jesus, God in the flesh, and they fall on their faces and they worship him. This is what makes the wise men wise. The humility of true saving faith that trusts God and his word, not just mere knowledge about God, they cling to the truth of his word. The wisdom of faith is that it simply takes God at his word. Your saints, look around. We live in a world that's full of godless fools who do not know Christ, and we were such godless fools ourselves prior to the Holy Spirit calling us to, the, to faith by the gospel. Just as with Herod of old, there are unbelievers who, in their foolishness, in their unbelief, they hate Christ, and they want to see him and his followers dead. The evidence of this is clearly seen around the world and even within our own borders now. But what about the fools who, just like the wise men journeying to the king's palace in Jerusalem, based on the wisdom of their own reason and strength, what about those folks who seek out God in all the wrong places? Now understand, I'm not talking about those who call themselves good Christians, yet they never make any effort to come into their Lord's presence, except for maybe the occasional Christmas Eve, Easter, or funeral service. I'm not talking about them. Their fruits reveal the truth of their foolishness in spite of the words that come out of their mouths. Please also understand that I'm not judging those who have justifiable health related reasons for their absence from worship. I'm not talking about those folks. The folks that I'm talking about are those Christians who do have faith in in Christ by the power of the Spirit, but in foolishness, they seek out His love, His grace, His mercy, His assurance, and His peace in places that He has not promised to be. What about those Christians who betray their trust in Christ by looking to their own works? for the assurance of their salvation. What about those Christians who look to the warm and fuzzy feelings they get in their heart after sipping their latte and singing, Shine Jesus, Shine. You know who I'm talking about. Perhaps you've been that person before or are now still. When you trust in your ever-changing emotions and feelings, instead of the objective word of God, you're left with doubts. For instance... If you don't feel happy or feel good about your faith, does it mean that you're not saved? Does it mean that God does not love you? Sadly, some Christians believe this, and it is foolish. And our prayer is that they would come to realize the truth by the Spirit working through the Word that the proof of the love of God is right here. Christ Jesus dying and rising for you and then giving to you his gifts right where he promised to be. So, what about those dear Christians who refuse to recognize their God and their Lord in, with, and under the humble means of water, bread, and wine? They love Jesus, but they reject his sacraments, his means of grace. They have faith that Jesus died for their sins, and for this I'm thankful, yet they lack the humility and the wisdom of faith to simply believe what God has said, to believe what Jesus has said about his word, about baptism, absolution, and his holy supper, Dear saints in Christ, our Lord is here with us precisely how and where he has promised to be. No complicated math. He's present with us in his word, baptism, absolution, and his holy supper. Here is God's promise, right where he tells us to look, right where he promises to be for you, his church. Here is Christ as he comes to us in his word and sacraments. And to deny or to despise this is foolish. Don't you think? It's certainly not wise. Dear saints in Christ, you have the wisdom of faith. Through the working of the Holy Spirit, God has led you to see, to hear, and to recognize your Lord and Savior in, with, and under his humble means of grace. My only question for you then is this. Do you seek Christ where he has promised to be found, or does your sinful flesh sometimes lead you astray? The wise will confess their sins, Fools will attempt to justify their sins. You see, here in his word and sacrament is your God and your Lord, dear saints, right where he's promised to be, right where he's promised to be found for you. How can you not rejoice at these gifts? You're in the presence of Almighty God when you hear his word, when he absolves your sins, when he gives you his body and his blood. Every time we receive the Lord's Supper, Christ himself comes down from heaven and gives you the free and unmerited gift of his body and his blood for the forgiveness of all your sins. For the peace that surpasses all understanding, and to give you wisdom. Recognized in the wisdom of humble faith, how could you not want to fall on your face in joy and thanksgiving, just like those magi did? Recognized in the wisdom of humble faith, only a fool wouldn't be here each and every chance they could. God with us in Christ. God for us in Christ. Anthems be to thee addressed, God in flesh made manifest. A blessed epiphany to you all. We rejoice this season because Christ is for us and he is with us. And so that's where we'll stop. Focused on Christ Jesus and his means of grace, mercy, and peace. Rejoice, dear saints, in the divine wisdom of your salvation who took on flesh and died and rose again for you, even Jesus Christ. Rejoice in this Christ and wherever your Lord leads you in your earthly life, may his cruciform wisdom and love be witnessed in all that you think all that you say and all that you do. May God, the Holy Spirit, grant you true wisdom from the word of God alone. And may this same Holy Spirit ever and always gather you to and enlighten you with the gifts of Christ Jesus, exactly again where he promises to be, at his font, his pulpit, and his altar. As our Lord has said, blessed are they who hear the word of God and keep it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, watch and guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. O God, by the leading of a star, you made known your only begotten Son to the Gentiles. Lead us, who know you by faith, to enjoy in heaven the fullness of your divine presence. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church of God, upon whom Christ has poured his grace and salvation, that she may continue holy in his sight, anointed with the oil of gladness and the hope of everlasting life. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For all pastors, that God would embolden them like his servant Paul to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, And that he would open the ears and hearts of their listeners to believe the message that the King of Kings has given his life for all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For all Christian homes, that the Word of God would dwell richly therein, just as Christ himself once dwelt in the home of Mary and Joseph, let us pray to the Lord. Lord have mercy. For an end to all threats of violence, that the Lord would raise up leaders who act with integrity, pursue justice, and follow the Lord's commands. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the security of our people, that God would grant them the blessings of food, shelter, medical care, and safety, sustaining those whose duty it is to protect and defend. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have For the afflicted, especially Pat Taney, Norma Horine, Vanessa Burmester, Charlotte Locke, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that God would give them the comfort of his presence, relief in their suffering and healing according to his will, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Heavenly Father, you have anointed your Son to be our Savior and have established his throne forever and ever. Grant that we who are called by his name would see his reign spread among all nations. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Well, again, a blessed epiphany to you all as we begin this season of light, as it is also known, rejoicing uh, that our light has... Uh, arisen and shines on us in great, splendor and in great grace, even our Lord Jesus Christ. Well, of course, if you're well familiar with the schedule tomorrow, I'll see you tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock as we continue on. Well, actually, no, I guess it's the end of this week and tomorrow is the beginning of the week. Uh, but we do look forward to continuing our celebration as we will uh, celebrate the baptism of our Lord uh, tomorrow. Uh, And a little bit different thing we're going to do tomorrow, we'll have uh, the baptism of our Lord as the focus of the service, but for Bible study, we're actually going to look at the texts appointed for that first Sunday after Epiphany, so this will be uh, the boy Jesus in the temple, right, where, you know, Mary and Joseph all of a sudden don't know where he is. We'll talk about that in Bible study uh, tomorrow and how Jesus was exactly where he was supposed to be uh, and uh, rejoice in that, that he has done all things well for us in honoring both his heavenly father perfectly, his earthly mother and father perfectly, uh, upholding the law in all its fullness uh, and giving us then his righteousness. Well, God's peace be with you as you go out this evening. Do drive safe. I don't know what the weather's doing. if it's snowing on the way in. I'll greet you at the door.